We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell, as always, on with Jason Pat and Jason. The Bulls are coming off perhaps their most heartbreaking <laughs> loss to the season. After being outscored for the entire game, pretty much, the Bulls had a chance to defeat the Atlanta Hawks at the buzzer with Derek Jones Jr. needing to make one free throw to tie, two free throws to win. He makes the first, misses the second. Bulls go into OT. In OT, Atlanta takes the lead again. Bulls look like they're going to lose. They inbound the ball to DeMar DeRozan, who's fouled on a three-point shot. Bulls down two at the time. DeRozan needs to make all three free throws to put the Bulls in front. He does it. Looks like the Bulls somehow pulled out a much-needed W. But instead, the Atlanta Hawks find a way to win. A lob to A.J. Griffin who somehow catches the ball in midair, turns around, puts it in. A play that was the exact same as the one the Milwaukee Bucks ran against the Bulls in 2015 when in their first round series, uh, when the Bucks got their first win of that series. That was pointed out by Half Court Hoops, one of the best followers on NBA Twitter. So just a totally deflating loss, Jason, and really a game that was symbolic of this season for the Bulls. The Bulls, kind of an average team by any metric. We'll go into that a little bit more later. But even in these games where it looks like they're going to win, the Bulls have a special ability to find a way to lose. And now they are 11 and 15 on the season. I tweeted this out after the game. I looked up points scored, points against. The Bulls have scored 2,946 points on the season. The Bulls have allowed 2,945 points on the season. <laughs> so they've outscored their opponents by one point. And yet they're 11 and 15 overall. They're still outside of the playing picture. And they're about to face 
a critical two-game set against the New York Knicks. The dare I say, Jason, red hot <laughs> the rest of the season. Oh. The Knicks currently 14 and 13. They're in sixth in the Eastern Conference. If the Bulls go 0 and 2 in these two games, like stick a fork in them. <laughs> if they split it, they're still in the mix. If they go 2 and 0, it's hell yeah, baby, let's go on a run. So all these close losses starting to catch up to the Bulls a little bit. It's a bummer. And goddamn you, Adrian Griffin Jr. I loved him so much coming out in the draft. He goes two picks ahead of the Bulls and just rips our heart out at the buzzer. Yeah. Uh, and this this is coming off, of course. A couple, the Bulls were on a two-game winning streak. Uh, they had beaten the Washington Wizards in a game that was earlier in the week. One of the worst games I think I've watched all season until like the last four or five minutes whenever the team started making every shot that they took. But like the first say like 40 minutes of that game was maybe the worst game I've watched. Just awful. A game where the Bradley Beal did not play uh, and the Bulls should have blown them out. It looked like they were going to, and then they fucked around and were turning the ball over. And there were turnover issues, I believe in that Hawks game too. I honestly, for straight up, I was not able to watch much of the Hawks or any of the Hawks or Mavs games. It was my wedding anniversary. I was doing stuff with my wife, had plans. I was following along though. So exciting, exciting stuff. But yeah, the turnovers have been an issue. But yeah, the Wizards game, it was a close game. They actually did win, although they almost blew it after they they went down six in the fourth quarter. Uh, then they came back. The, that was like the first game of the year where like the big three actually all like did stuff in the fourth quarter. Zach, Demar, and Vooch all, all had big shots, but they almost blew that game too in the final minutes. The big offensive rebound combo of Vooch and Caruso kind of saved that one in the la- on the last possession. Didn't give the Wizards a chance to tie or win. Then the Mavs game. Maybe their best overall performance of the season. They score what 144 points. It was a Mavs team, a game where I I bet I had seven like seventy dollars in my DraftKings bank account. I bet all of it on the Bulls going minus five and a half because the Mavs did not have Luka Doncic. Uh, I think they rested a couple other guys too, and they had gotten into Chicago like at three a.m. after a hard fall loss against the Bucks. I'm like. This is a schedule game where the Bulls absolutely have to beat their ass. And to their credit, they did. They scored 144 points, scoring up and down the lineup. They hit a, they shot ridiculous from the field. Uh, they absolutely beat their ass. So now you're going for a three-game winning streak in Atlanta on the road against a Hawks team also dealing with injuries. No DeJounte Murray, Murray, no John Collins. Um, I can't remember who else they were missing. I feel like they were missing somebody else. The Hawks have been really banged up. They did obviously have Trey Young. Have uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich and, and uh, AJ Griffin. They, I believe they got DeAndre Hunter back for that game. He had missing time, but and then the Bulls come out and they lay a stinker for most of the night. And I know second of a back to back on the road, it's tough, and the Bulls have not been good on the road. Um, and they make the comeback, and every time it looked like the Bulls were going to lose. I mean, something goofy happened. Like the Hawks, I mean, this was like a perfect battle of the mid-off. You mentioned the part about the Bulls being plus one on the season. I called them the most mid team in the NBA. Like it would be even better if they were 13 and 13 with the plus one record, but it was a total mid off with the bulls and Hawks just trading awful dumb shit down the stretch. And the bulls had this chance to win with, I mean, great play by Derek Jones jr. To get that offensive rebound. I did not have faith that he would make both free throws. He's not a good shooter, even though I think he had four threes in that Mavs game, just a ridiculous outlier shooting game for the bulls. Uh, miss makes the first miss the second, as you said, and then that overtime Hawks t- have all the momentum and then they start doing more dumb shit. 
He fought, the foul on DeRozan was ridiculous, but I believe that was Bogdanovich. I mean, he was fading away. Would have been a miracle three to go in. Just, you don't foul that guy, and you foul him. Tomorrow, ice in the veins hits all three. Yeah, and then that game, and then I was following on Twitter. Like I said, I was not watching. I'm following on Twitter, and just like the string of tweets as it comes across with A.J. Griff- Griffin making that shot. Really impressive shot by him. Joe Prunty, you mentioned, he was the assistant who drew that up for the Bucks. That was to Jared Bayless. I believe they caught D Rose with Jared Bayless going back door, and the Bucks won that game at the buzzer. Same play. You have Trey Brown, Trey Trey Brown, Trey Young inbounding the ball. Very interesting. I think they had to call a timeout first, and then they drew up that play. Interesting. They have Trey Young inbounding that ball. He threw just that perfect lob pass. The Bulls had nobody defending the rim. You could certainly argue maybe with uh, the strategy there. Maybe you don't have anybody guarding Trey. I know Trey is small, so like try to whatever, put somebody on him and make it the life uh, life tougher for him for that pass. But he made a perfect pass. But you have no one big guarding the rim. Derek Jones got beat back door. Guy makes a tough shot and just a brutal way to lose. So instead of a three-game winning streak where the Bulls are, would be, what would they be instead now? 12 and 14. Uh, obviously still not good, but like it's a lot better than 11. It seems a lot better than 11, 15, a lot of momentum coming into these two home games against New York. Now it's just more doom and gloom and like the bulls suck and whatever. So it's like, I don't know. It's just, they just kind of keep puttering along here. And I know we've mentioned multiple times, like we need the bulls. Well, it was about staying afloat with Lonzo bubble, the Lonzo ball thing is whatever at this point, but like, they're just going to kind of keep doing this. And I think there's like these two Knicks games, the Knicks have been playing pretty well lately. Uh, and they're over 500 now, but like, I still don't think the Knicks are that good. So Bulls have been much better at home. Like I, my expectation is to win both of these games. Maybe that's just me putting too much faith in this mid ass team, but it's going to be just another battle of the mids, which is basically what the Eastern conference conference is at this point. You got Boston. They struggled a little bit lately, but they're still the clearly the class of these Milwaukee. Great. Cleveland pretty good though they they've had some struggles they just lost to the Spurs they've lost some weird games the Nets are on fire they're starting to play to their talent level finally and then the rest of it's just garbage it's all the rest of it's just hot trash uh, the Sixers will probably will probably make their way up the standings a little bit they're in fifth right now but like the, besides that the Heat they suck the Raptors suck the Hawks suck the Bulls suck the Knicks suck all these teams stink. I keep talking to myself into the fact that the Bulls could get into this and get and, and like the having the six or five seed in play. But when you lose these heartbreaking games and you keep losing all these tough ones and that Wizards game was close too, you just start banking losses and you can't get them back. So it's just a, t- a brutal loss there for the Bulls to stop that what would have been a three-game winning streak. And it's like, it's just kind of back to square one. Yeah, that game was just so, so <laughs> disappointing. I want to talk about Zach because if the Bulls are going to get it going in December, I think Zach is the key piece. He's got to play a lot better than he did in November. I got the November numbers up for Levine, and they're not pretty. He did average 20.5 points per game. Seems decent enough, though we know that for Zach, averaging 20 a game is is basically nothing. But the scoring efficiency, yikes. 39.9% from the field. 31.8% from three. And he averaged under four attempts per game from the foul line. All those numbers are way below where you typically expect Zach Levine to be at. But in December, maybe mostly off the strength of a 41-point performance against the Kings, Levine has looked better. He's averaging nearly 25 a game, 24.8, shooting 40% from three, 52% from the field. 
And the numbers I've been monitoring with Levine are his rim frequency and rim accuracy. Well, his rim frequency is now at 33%. Last year, it was 34%. The year before that, it was 39%, 44%, 48%. So he's at least close to where he was last year, only one percentage point worse. And in terms of his rim accuracy, he's making 65% of his attempts at the rim. Last year, he was 69%. Uh, and typically, he's been around you know mid-60s. So his rim finishing is honestly about at his career levels. He's just not getting to the rim as often. Uh, you look at his free throw numbers, and those are down too. He's averaging 4.2 free throws a game this year. The last couple of years, he's averaged five plus. He averaged six uh, back in the 2019 season. So, you know, could stand to get to the rim a little bit more often. Uh, in general, like this stretch of games is going to be huge for Levine because they don't have any back to backs. Well, they do. They play Miami and Atlanta uh, before Christmas. But besides for that, you know, you've had a few days off now after this Atlanta game before you take on the Knicks and you play the Knicks again on Friday. So you have another day off in between those games. And if the Bulls are going to like get back into the playoff race and Jace, as you mentioned, the Eastern conference is a whole lot of garbage, uh, you know, besides from Milwaukee and Boston, they just need Zach to get cooking again. So what have you seen from Zach lately? Do you have like, how do you feel about Zach right now? Do you have any optimism that Zach can get it going again? Or do you feel like the player he is right now is the player he's going to be all season? There clearly are signs that he's starting to be a bit more comfortable just with those numbers you laid out in terms of the efficiency, some of the finishing, like that Kings. I mean, the Kings game, what was he, 10 of 10 in the restricted area or 8 of 8, something like that. So, like, steps forward there. Uh, played really well against the Mavs. Hawks game, you could – and I think one of the problems with the Hawks games, I know was one of the talking points was – and this has been a talking point for a lot of Zach's career – was – the decision making again. I did not watch this game, but from what I was following on Twitter, poor shot selection, the bad turnovers. I think he had did he have seven turnovers in that game, six turnovers. It was one of these games I know recently he had a ton of turnovers, and then the shot selection, whether it was in, in crunch time and stuff like that. And that's just been one of Zach's kind of issues. It was an issue, especially when DeMar wasn't here. And uh, that's why like they brought DeMar in because he's just a more reliable decision maker creator in those half court situations in crunch time Zach just is not <laughs> and like having him having both those guys there can be good unless they're just going my your turn my turn like ice and stuff and that's not good but you just can't have Zach be forcing bad shots in crunch time and that was a talking point after this hot at this after this Hawks game what do you have the know his shooting numbers from that game I should pull those up um I just know it was definitely <laughs> Not as good because again the, the Mavs game was just like nine perfect. He was nine to sixteen against the Hawks from the so field still field. good shooting numbers. I just know like he down had the seven street. turnovers. Yeah, the turnovers I mean, were an issue, and then I just know there were people bitching about shot selection, um, in in crunch time, and especially when you have Demar there, Zach's jacking shots, and like both of those guys can take can take and make tough shots. It happens, but like you don't want Zach forcing up shots, especially if they're like long twos uh early in the clock and stuff like that i just that point that kind of stuff from zach is probably just not going to change he's gotten better with decision making and playmaking and stuff like that over the course of his career but it just 
I just it just that I don't think it's ever going to be a strength of his. He's always going to take some tough shots, especially when he feels like he's got it going. And sometimes, uh, I mean, he he hit some really good. He hit some huge shots in that Wizards game. He had, he had three threes in a row down the stretch. Although a lot of those, just like the Wizards, were not guarding him for whatever reason. Like he was getting good. Those were good looks. He was feeling it. That's good. It's when he starts forcing stuff off the dribble, it's a bit more of a problem, especially again when it's those long two. So. Good signs for Zach. There's still the concerns again with the decision making. Um, if you get him to a point though where he's averaging 25 or 26 a game on that kind of efficiency that he's been in December, I mean that's that's really that's all you can ask for at this point, and that's really good. And if he, he keeps doing that, and if Demar plays better, you cut down the stupid ass turnovers. The Bulls will be at least in decent shape, better shape. They should win some more games. Obviously, the three point shooting. It was great against the Mavs, but it's been a problem overall in general. Um, still not getting consistent performances from some of the other guys that you would like to see. Um, so it's like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just kind of the same stuff. I feel like it's the same kind of crap just over and over with where they're at right now. Yeah, and speaking of the same kind of crap, I want to see him shoot more threes. Yeah. So by cleaning the glass, Zach is classified as a wing. And by taking 40% of his shots from three-point range, he's in the 41st percentile. Now, obviously, Zach, you know, when you're talking about players who can average 25 a game, uh, those guys, like, are going to have a little bit more, like, there's some specialists who are mostly going to be taking threes, yeah. right? Zach's a guy who, playing with the ball in his hands a lot, is going to, you know, be a three-level scorer at his best. But still, dude, he's got to get up more threes. It's been the story of the season for the Bulls offense that, like, it's like they're playing in a shoebox, and they just don't have enough three-point attempts to compete with a lot of these teams on every, any given night. And to me, it, the easiest solution is Zach letting it fly more often from three. Now, he's only hitting 36% of his threes this year. I'm hoping that that starts to tick up. Yeah. And me feels better ideally as the season goes on we'll see if any of that comes to fruition and then pat yeah pat's got to start shooting more too and pat had a great game against the dallas mavericks going four or five from deep at the time he was like 45 percent from three i'll pull up his numbers and see what he is now so for the season it's like 43 it's 43.6 percent Uh, you said that there's big home and away splits at home he's shooting 56 percent from three but over his last 10, he's shooting 50% from three. Uh, only taking three attempts per game, though. So when you start thinking about how the Bulls can get their offense cooking, it's a math problem, and it's, like, most basic, that they just need to shoot more threes. They need to, like, create better looks for threes. How many times this season have we seen the ball swing to Pat? He catches it and then travels when he should just shoot it. Yeah. Obviously, the release is still really slow. It looks exactly the same as it did his rookie year. I fully blame the organizational malpractice of the Bulls for Patrick Williams not being able to quicken his release. You can look around the league. There's plenty of guys who have sped up their release from three. Patrick Williams has not, but he's a pretty good shooter. He's proven to be a good shooter. His free throw numbers are above 90% on the season. He's making 93% of his free throws. Of course, he's taken like less than 30 all year. So that's certainly concerning but uh from three pat you just gotta quicken that up you gotta let it fly and honestly shame on the bulls dude i went on a big rant about the bulls not having a shooting coach in one of our off-season episodes it's fucking ridiculous like <laughs> when you're gonna draft guys 
who aren't developed as shooters, but who are like strong in most other areas of the game. Those guys need to be able to hoist three pointers against NBA closeouts. And that's a very difficult thing to do, especially when you're asking them to teach themselves how to do it. So I like what I'm seeing from Pat in terms of his shooting projection. I think Pat's got good touch from three, but you can't take three threes a game, dude. Like in a lot of these games, like in the Hawks game, like Kobe took more shots than Pat when Pat was playing pretty well. I just need more Pat. (laughs) And if Pat is going to be kind of mid average, uninspiring, that's fine. But like they have to sort of see if there's any growth potential there for him. And a great way to do this would be to tap into, you know, him as a volume shooter because DeRozan's not going to do it. Vooch has sort of had a bounce back season because he hasn't been relying so much on the three-point shot. So it's got to be Pat and Io and Caruso and Javante. And let's start with Pat because he looks like he has the most promising touch out of any of these guys based on his three-point percentage and his free throw percentage. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. It's, we our guys, uh, good old Kevin Farragut and Laro. Were I uh, saw them arguing about Pat on Twitter right before we started our pod, just kind of about Pat and his growth and development stuff like that. I think both have fair points, but he, he, he is absolutely he has gotten better. There has been growth there. He has up to three 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 pointers per game. His three point percentage forty three point six is excellent. It's been consistently good, but as you said, the volume just isn't there. And you just kind of like look at his overall numbers there. 
I mean, Pat's scoring average as a rookie, 9.2 last year in a smaller sample size, 9.0 this year, 9.4. The rebounding numbers all about the same. Assists, pretty similar. It's just numbers like across the board are just like, they're just like have been stagnant throughout like his entire career. The shooting percentages are good again, but the volume just isn't there. And one thing I was looking at, you mentioned the home road splits, which are very drastic. And I was looking at the difference in games as well. First halves versus second halves. Pat comes out and they, I feel like they do try to establish him sometimes early in games. And hesit- there's usually I feel like the Noah, not much hesitation there when he scores. And then in second halves, he just totally disappears. He's averaging under four points per game in the second half. I think it's something like 3.7 when I was looking. His shooting percentages come way down. While he's at 43% for the season, he's at like 31, I think 30 or 31% in the second half on three-pointers. So like three-point percentage comes way down. We saw, you mentioned the traveling stuff. We saw him record scratch multiple times on one possession in that Wizards game during a stretch of the game where both teams were just like fucking up miserably. He had multiple looks at good shots and ended up like dribbling the ball, trying to drive. And I think he lost it out of bounds or got blocked or something like that. Um, so second half is like Pat, he gets, he can, he often gets off to these really nice starts and then just can't maintain a strong game throughout the Bulls offense. Uh, I was looking at his on court, like his net ratings and stuff like that. Worst net on court net rating on the team in second halves. So around minus eight, uh, the offensive rating is like one Oh two. Pat is just not a good second half player. And I think some of that stems from the hesitation. Um, so it's a, just still, I think maybe a bit of a confidence thing. Just doesn't deal with the high leverage situations as well. We've seen him have his moments. I keep bringing, I brought up those in the those two jumpers he had against Jason Tatum in that second Celtics when Reed cooked Tatum off the dribble and buried two dagger mid range shots in his face. And it's like, where is that, Pat? Well, I would love to see more of that because it just doesn't happen in these second halves. He's at again under four points per game in the second half. It's not like it's a huge difference points per game wise, but between the first and the second, but efficiency wise, it's there. And you can, it just clearly, he just disappears in so many second halves. So he needs, yeah, needs to be firing up shots when you're taking, when you're playing 26 minutes a game and you're kind of out there on offense, a lot being used as a spacer and you're shooting 40 some percent from three, you need to be taking five or six a game, double that three point output. We'd love to see him do other stuff. They do like to use him as a screener sometimes as well. Um, and getting him in for dunks. I think was that the wizards game. One of the recent games, he had a couple dunks in a row. Uh, he had a nice play in pick and roll. I think that was an Alex Crusoe nutmegged somebody. He had a nice dunk in transition. Yeah. Being opportunists like that, but also just launching the threes when they're there. You got to take more. The Bulls need to take more. Pat's got to take more. Because, yeah, just right now, like, while he has gotten better, it's still tough to play him in crunch time because he's just so hesitant, tentative offensively. And his overall numbers just, like, don't paint a picture of a guy who's taking a, a big enough leap that the Bulls need. Has he, again, has he gotten better? Yes. Has he gotten enough better where you're like, this guy is taking a leap and he's definitely making his case as a uh, like foundational piece? Absolutely not. I mean, he's averaging 9.49411. Like, it's, it's just not close to good enough. Those are like okay role player numbers. He's got to be better. Uh, I know growth can be slow. It's not linear. Uh, but as a number four pick, you just he needs to start showing more. I'm not looking for... 15 to 17 points a game on this team. That is not going to happen, but we need to start getting him to 12, 12 to 15 points per game. Get those rebounds up a little more, get those three point, get that three point point rate up more, maybe get to the line a little more, as you mentioned, uh, because right now he's, he's just, he's, he's just a guy. He's a fine player, uh, but he's just like nothing. He's nothing special right now. And as the number four pick, 
that's it's disappointing. Would love to see. And if if the Bulls are looking to make any more improvements and any if they want to go more all in on this roster, um, his trade value. I, who knows what it is right now? Who knows if they even want to trade him? But like, I don't think. I'm guessing there's like if they were to trade him, like what they would want to get in the trade back. It's probably not what they could get back right now because I just don't know how other teams across the league feel about it. Maybe they do think there still is a lot of potential there, but um, right now it's just kind of hard to be like super into his upside. You just hope it's still there. He's still very young. Again, guys can bloom late. We've seen late bloomers before. Uh, well, he needs to start doing more than he is. He's gotten better, but there still needs to be more, especially in those second halves. I would love to see him start just playing better in the second half so he can be on the floor in crunch time and be making big plays and helping this team win games. Uh, one thing I noticed about Pat, he's already played nine more games this season than he played last year. Last year, we only played 17 games yep. on the season. This year, already 26. So part of this year was that Pat needed to stay durable. Obviously, he got hurt last season on what was pretty much a freak injury on a pretty dirty play by Mitchell Robinson. So I'm glad he's been on the floor. They need him to continue to be on the floor. And then, yeah, like I say, I just want more Pat because like I want more threes. I want them to use him more as a roller. I want him to attack the rim more. Like I'm fine with him getting into his mid range game in certain matchups when he thinks he can uh, have a physical advantage against a smaller. He's that player. nice little floater shot, that push shot. He's got a pretty good it's one. Great elevation on that yeah. shot. He really jumps out of the building on that, and which makes it an even like easier shot for him. He's been taking that a little bit lately again. So I just want all of the pat things because like otherwise. Where's the upside on this? That's what they, I mean, that's what the, we talk about the Bulls, just like where, how, what is their upside and how do they get better and how can they be better than what they're doing right now? It's Zach getting back to Zach and it's Pat being better. And obviously IO too, but IO is kind of stagnated as well. Like we haven't talked much about him. Like he's been fine this year, but uh, he got off to that better start, but he's kind of slumped. And now he's injured. He's questionable for this next game tomorrow. Uh, Cause I think Trey Young hit him in the junk or something like that. Um but if the Bulls are going to take these next steps, especially with Lonzo out, they need the young guys to show to show some pop. And it's just not it's not there enough. Well, are they like I said, are they slightly better than last year? I would say both guys are probably a little bit better, but it's just not nearly enough. And even if if you look at like the numbers with them on the court, it's just not not very pretty because that starting group just has not done well together. So those guys are just not making the impact needed to help lift the rest of the team. And I don't want to put it too much on them. Obviously, when it comes down to it, the Bulls need their three best players to lift them more. And they just have not had enough games where that's happened. Uh, like I said, the Wizards game was like the first game where we really saw them kind of take over a game, but that's a garbage Wizards team. That is, that's lost like a ton of games in a row and they didn't have their best players. So pulling out that game did not mean much. And like, I mean, beating the Mavs was great and how they, and how well they played, but that Mavs team was cooked. They were asking it to blow it out without Luca. So um, like, we'll see moving forward here. This, as you mentioned, this, these, Para Knicks games will be huge. We will Jalen Brunson is dealing with an injury. He is questionable for tomorrow. Um, if Brunson does not play, you, you need to take advantage of that. The Bulls have been better on their home court, and both of these games are at home. So if Brunson miss, misses one or both, I mean, you got to grab wins in both of these games, even if he does play. Uh, they're toss-up games, and these are the toss-up games you need to win at home, especially with the games the Bulls have lost so far. So these are two games the Bulls got to go with. Go win these two games, beat the Knicks twice, even though they're playing better, especially if Brunson is hurting. Um, and maybe you can kind of start to get back into this thing again into that mid-Eastern conference. My last point on this is like, while it's easy to look at Pat and be like, he's a bust, he sucks, what the hell, he should be better, we passed on Halliburton. 
Also, like, can the Bulls ever develop anyone? <laughs> I mean, especially when you look at the success Markinen's had in Utah. Wendell Carter has been pretty decent in Orlando. Uh, Kobe, you know, he's stagnating in the fourth year of his career. Pat, not a big enough leap when it felt like he had so much on his shoulders coming into this year. Like, this organization needs to hire more people. And they need to pay <laughs> them a fair salary or a good salary. And invest in internal development, invest in scouting. Uh, it's pathetic, dude. Like, there's just not enough infrastructure on this team for the players to succeed. And then instead of Jerry Reinsdorf's cheap ass being in the spotlight, we end up being like, well, this 19-year-old sucks. Like, we shouldn't have drafted him. He's a bust. Well, how about, like, you put some fucking resources in place so that this toolsy wing who you drafted with a top five pick and hit his potential. So yeah, Pat needs to be better and more confident in all these things, but like bulls develop one guy <laughs> because you haven't fucking done it since Jimmy Butler and you get no credit for that. That was just Jimmy's, you know, outlier extreme work ethic, turning himself from a role player into a superstar. We'll give Tibbs a little credit. We're not giving the bulls any credit. Uh, and it's just, infuriating because they're going to continue to be in this shitty position until like there's bigger organizational changes. Like I wrote the Lonzo piece this week. Uh, I wrote a big piece on Lonzo ball this yep. week at SP.com. If you haven't seen it, you could check it out. A lot of people have read it. I was shocked at the traffic numbers on it because nice. you know, when you write something like that, it's like, you know, a 2,500 word piece. I'm thinking like I'm mostly writing it for my Twitter audience, not yeah. like national audience at SB Nation, but like over 100,000 people read it. Nice. So that was awesome. Uh, so check that out if you want to. It's mostly just on my theory being that the Bulls make sense. This roster makes sense with Lonzo and it makes no sense without him. And how it's just like really sad that this is what Lonzo's career has come down to. He can't even walk up a flight of stairs. Quickly approaching, I guess, you know, by the time this episode goes up, it'll be the uh, the 11 month anniversary of Lonzo Ball exiting the game against the Warriors. And he's still not close to running last we heard, according to Billy Donovan. So sad stuff. Check that out on SBNation.com if you want to. The last thing I had for you here, Jason, then you could take it anywhere else if you want to, is that Steph tweeted this stat. The Caruso and Javante lead the league in deflections per 36 minutes. So if you're asking yourself, how have the Bulls built a top 10 defense, which right now ranks number eight in the league, while having three offense first stars with poor defensive reputations in Vooch, in Zach, and in DeRozan. Well, Caruso, we know, is one of the very best defensive players in the league. I think the Bulls win that game against the Hawks if Caruso's in the lineup. Because it just looked so lethargic and shitty for most of that game. Yeah. and. Of course, the Hawks didn't have John Collins or DeJounte Murray, so it works both ways. But uh, when Caruso's not there, man, you really, really notice it because there's just like a lack of energy on the floor. And that's what you can count on Caruso to bring consistently. But I was pretty surprised. Caruso and Javante won two in the league in deflections per 36 minutes. Of course, those guys linked together recently when Billy Donovan moved both of them into the starting lineup. Uh, now, Pat started while Javante was on the injury report recently. So, uh, what do you make of that? Like, do you want more Javante and AC together, similar to how the Bulls were so good last year with Lonzo and AC sharing the floor together? We saw Javante get a couple cracks at Trey Young in the second half of the Atlanta game. Trey mostly cooked him. Trey's a tough matchup for a lot of people who aren't Io DeSumo. Io just <laughs> seems to have a magic touch against him. But 
you know, the Bulls are surviving right now on defense by forcing a shit ton of turnovers. And that's Caruso and it's Javante, a little bit of Derek Jones, uh, you know, Pat, Zach, Vooch, all of those guys can get in the mix too. But uh, I like that. One, two in the league in deflections, Javante and AC. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if Billy does go back to the Javante and Caruso in the starting lineup because I believe he said after he first made the move that he like wanted to get an extended look at that. He wanted to get an extended look at Pat on the bench. And then Javante got hurt right after it happened, so he went back to Pat and he stuck with Pat in Hawks game, of course. But Caruso did not yet. Caruso did not play in that Hawks game. So when both guys are back healthy together, Will he go back to that? Uh, I would guess probably, yeah. I mean, based on what he said, it seemed like he's, he wanted to do that and just give Pat, like maybe that, and maybe that would give Pat a chance to see more Pat if he is doing that stuff with the bench unit, uh, which we talked about maybe at the beginning of the year when Javante was crushing it in preseason when we thought he might start the season and Pat might come off the bench. That maybe if you give Pat more of these minutes with the bench, that you'll get more out of him and develop, help develop him more. And, um, give him more opportunities on the ball and stuff like that. And maybe, maybe we'll see that if, if Billy goes back to that. And I mean, it makes sense when you look at, when you look at some of the lineup data as well, uh, the Caruso Javante lineup data is very promising when they play together. You mentioned the deflections, stuff like that. So like bring those, start that the big three with Javante and Caruso, bring Pat off the bench, kind of see what you got there. I would not be opposed to it at all. Bulls certainly Billy needs to try some stuff here with with them being eleven and fifteen. Um, and ba- again, based on some of the data, it would make sense. Also, shout out if you didn't. In addition to the, what Ricky wrote, Espionation, our guy Will Gottlieb wrote a good thing over at SHGO about Alex Crusoe, how he how he defends and how he like uh, just defends screens and stuff like that, and draws like so many foul uh, fouls. Off, just he's just the way he's positioned stuff. It is really like in the nitty gritty in the weeds, like basketball nerd stuff. But if you really like that great stuff, learn and just like learning basketball and learning defense, Alex Caruso is a defensive savant. Uh, so great stuff there from him. Go read that. If you haven't about Alex Caruso. Um, so, yeah, I would have no problem if they did go to that, go back to that starting lineup and you bring Pat off the bench and give him that opportunity there. Uh, Cause again, you just get, need to try some different stuff. The bulls are, they're 11, 15, 11, 15, but they're not, uh, not like they're, out of the mix or anything, they're right. They're kind of right there. You need to start banking some wins and beating some of these teams that you have to. And it seems like playing those two guys will probably make you better based on what uh, the lineup data has showed so far and just based on how effective, how effective they've been defensively. Well, Jay, anything else before we uh, wrap this one up? No, I don't think so. There's really been no other news again on the injury front. Sounds like Crusoe will play against the Knicks tomorrow. I mean, looking ahead, Next Wednesday, next Friday, and I don't think the Bulls play this weekend then. Maybe they do. I'd have to look at their stupid schedule. But two games coming up against the Knicks is uh, coming up. And then Timberwolves on Sunday at Timberwolves. Um, like, that's a game. Another That's another toss game. The Timberwolves also mid as hell. They don't have Cat. Even when they did have Cat, big issues just there kind of with that with that fit there after the Rudy trade. They've been super mid. So, like, again, just all these games, and then they got the Heat after that next week. The Hawks again, just all these games against these teams where uh, they're just kind of right there with you. So you got to start winning some of these games. And again, hopefully Crusoe's back Wednesday. We'll see about I.O. It sounds like maybe there's a decent chance he misses tomorrow, but hopefully not. He's not out too, not out too long. So it's got to beat the Knicks, beat the damn Knicks, beat them twice in a row. Uh, just go do it. 
they're not that good either. Get some. It'll be, I believe the game tomorrow night, I think is a national TV game. I believe this is an ESPN game on Wednesday night um, or it's or the Friday one. One of the two games is on ESPN. Um, so that should be fun. National TV games are always exciting. But you're on your home court. Defend your home court. The Bulls have been a bit better, at least on their home court this season. So got to win this game. Ricky, you're definitely good. We could wrap it up here. Wrap it up. But, uh, man, season comes down to these Knicks games. I'm telling you, dude. <laughs> Two and zero, oh, we're feeling great. Zero oh and two, we're feeling bad. So, which means they're they're probably going they're probably going to go one on one. The based on how this season has gone, a split. It is tough to beat a team two times in a row. I will give them that. But still, again, you're on your day home court. You're playing a mediocre team, just like yourself. Go win a couple games. Stop turning the ball over so damn much. Shoot some three pointers. Let's grab a couple wins against the against the Knicks. That'll do it for us here on this episode of Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Iron Network. Tons of great pods all across the network, just like this one. Please go check them all, check any of them out if you like what we're doing here. For us here at Cash, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all Stitcher. Can't speak English. All those, all those good places. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. You can follow Ricky at SB underscore Ricky. Again, go read that big Bulls column he did at SBNation.com. Uh, it's always great when Ricky busts out his long Bulls, long read stuff. So please go read that. That's going to do it for us here on this episode of Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.